Join the conversation with Tommy Weber. Pro and college baseball coach Tommy Weber brings you cutting-edge interviews and thought-provoking commentary in a weekly podcast dedicated to baseball, sports, current events, and the world. Check us out on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, and TommyWeberBaseball.com. And make sure to follow us on Instagram and Twitter at TommyWeberBaseball. It's time to get the conversation started, so here's your host, Tommy Weber. From the Gotham Podcast Studio in the heart of downtown New York City, my hometown, the greatest city in the world. This is the conversation. Welcome back, everyone, on a getting cold uh, early December day as the hot stove league heats up a little bit. We're talking baseball today. Uh, we got a great guest. Uh, before we get into that, I want to say that um, in all the years I've been involved in baseball, especially uh, as, as a coach, a manager, in college, professional, Cape Cod, wherever it's been, um, I I have never, ever left a game, ever, saying, you know what? Man, I wish my guy threw harder today. Never. But I wish I had a dollar for every time I said, man, we just couldn't throw strikes tonight. I wish we had better control and command. My guest uh, must have read my mind a few years back and took that notion and ran with it. And he ran with it in a way that is rare today. Uh, It takes a lot to stand up for what you believe in. Um, it's it's a rare occasion. Usually we are uh, we're group thinkers and baseball is no exception. As a matter of fact, baseball is one of the biggest culprits. Uh, baseball is famous for its group think. Once one guy says it and it works, everybody wants to copy it. Um, and it's the degree to which those of us in the game have drunk the the Kool-Aid that is alarming to me. It's not necessarily what people promulgate, promulgate but it's the the dosage, the amount to which and the extent to which not only have they adopted certain ideologies, uh, but they have adopted them to the exclusion of all others. Um, And social media has helped to fuel that. Um, The bullies are out in force. And if you buck the trend, uh, you either get shouted down or you get labeled old school or the game has passed you by. And there's a million reasons that we can get into as to why that is, but it is that way. There's no doubt about it. Uh, My guest has um, inadvertently taken them on. Uh, And I noticed on Twitter as I was perusing through a few months ago and I kept seeing this location nation and location is spelled with a K, location nation, location nation. And I started to read these tweets and I mean, lo and behold, um, they actually started to resonate with me on a very, very deep level because uh, I believe wholeheartedly that if you can't throw it over the plate, there's no sense in throwing it. Um, if you can't, if you don't know where the ball is going, I've never understood why you would try throwing it harder. Um, so I um, uh, friended, I guess, what is it? I followed him on Twitter um, and he followed me back and we started to have a conversation. I sent him a private message and I said, hey, you got to be on my podcast. So I am really, really thrilled today to have a, uh, a guy who is uh, setting a lot of people straight and is someone who you should be following at Location Nation is his, is his Twitter. Uh, and, and that is Dustin Pease. Dustin, how are you? Tommy, thanks for having me on, man. How's that? The crowd, the crowd loves you, man. The crowd loves you. <laughs> How are you doing today? 
good. Having a good day. Uh, just got back from the gym, you know, a little daddy daycare action. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. obviously get to talk some baseball with you now. So that's, yeah. so that's great. That's great. That's great. Um, as I do with most guests, I'm fascinated with how we get to where we are uh, and how people like you get to where you are. So uh, for everyone's benefit, give us uh, the chronology of events that gets you to uh, early December 2018 baseball wise. I mean, it's a long road, but I'll, I'll try to give you a good little two-minute drill. We, we got time. My no life. We got time. <laughs> um, you know, I grew up in a blue-collar family. My dad was a plumber. I, I got to enjoy the uh, the benefits of, uh, of all that hard work growing up. Um, you know, looking back, I, I was fortunate enough to have a really awesome pitching coach um, in high school. Um, he happened to be the bullpen catcher for the Orioles. His name was Tom Bates. He's still coaching today. He's coaching for an independent team in Canada called the Winnipeg Gold Eyes. But Tommy was a uh, Tommy was the bullpen catcher for the Orioles, uh, and he also happened to be the assistant coach on my high school baseball team. He was also kind of like the pitching coach, catching coach. Obviously, brought a wealth of knowledge, you know, being involved with a with a major league team mm-hmm. on a daily basis. Sure. Um, so the cool thing about working with Tommy was, you know, a few times I was fortunate enough to be able to go in and uh, in high school and <laughs> into the clubhouse and just listen and hear and take in and be a sponge. To, to a lot of the aspects of pitching that major league pitchers work on. Before that, before all that happened, you know, Tommy would always talk about the importance of pitching location as being the primary piece of of, uh, of pitching. And you know, that was something that kind of resonated with me because I was five foot four, hundred and thirty pounds, and I, you know, the prospectus of my of my build didn't look good. And I wanted to play professional baseball, so you know, obviously, I wanted to exhaust all other ways to dominate hitters that that I felt would work. So. I thought it was very intriguing that at the highest level of the game, the pinnacle of the game, pitchers weren't talking about how hard each of them were throwing. They weren't talking about how nasty their curveball was. They talked about, and this was me interpreting in high school, they talked about where they threw their pitches, how they threw their pitches, when they threw their pitches in certain counts, if they could execute the pitch, the location, and how consistently they could do it. I found that to be very intriguing. So... You know, it kind of coupled with the ideology that Tom presented to me initially. And, you know, from that point forward, I, I realized, like, I really wanted to be awesome at command. I really want to be able to be as accurate as I could. And I started to adopt that method through high school. Um, through high school, I had a pretty, very specific process that I kind of followed in high school. I happened to be sitting on my couch one day and watching a major league game. And the guy was struggling the first strike. I was like, I can go out in my yard right now and throw the ball in a timeless setting to the glove. And and just work on it. Just work on that action, you right. know. And it seems kind of logical, but that's kind of the process I kind of started doing. I started paying very close attention to how I went through that process and that system. Um, and it really started to develop for me uh, in high school. So from that point forward, I I, uh, I became very proficient in executing locations with three pitches. You know, I started to pitch at a relevant speed of, you know, upper 70s, low 80s. fortunate enough to get a Division One scholarship at those speeds. Um, I went on to become a all American pitcher as a division at a division one university. I played four years there. Where'd you go to school? Uh, I, was, I went to Mount St. Mary's university in Maryland out of the Northeast conference. I coached in the um, Northeast conference for 15 years. Oh my goodness. Where I coached at Wagner for, I, I coached in the Northeast conference for 22 years. I coached at wow. Wagner college for 15 and at St. Francis for seven. That's great. St. Francis, New York or St. Francis, Francis, New York. When did you graduate? Yeah. I graduated in 07. 
oh seven. So we we crossed paths because the St. Oh. Francis program <laughs> ended after the oh six season. So we yeah. we crossed yeah. paths. I remember that. We crossed paths. Uh, I that, that's crazy. <laughs> How about that? It's a small world. Baseball is a small world. Go ahead. Go on. Yeah. So I, again, I, I just I graduated from the mountain oh seven, and uh, you know, I didn't throw that hard. I threw in the low eighties. So obviously, I wasn't going to be drafted and throw hard enough. Um, I had a very successful college career. That was my goal, um, to be successful in my actions, and I, and I did produce a successful college career. Fortunately, I was able to branch on to an independent ball team, ironically Winnipeg, the team that Tommy was was with. I was given an opportunity to pitch there. I blossomed with that opportunity. Uh, after my first year in independent, I was given a chance to sign with the Kansas City Royals. I had a very good spring training with them, but I, I didn't break camp. I went back to independent ball. I played three more years independent ball. And then I was signed by San Diego Padres after a very good season in Wichita in the American Association. And, uh, and I, I, I made it all the way as high as double A, uh, full season and some triple A spring trainings. But, you know, throughout my entire life, I never, I think the biggest thing that set me apart was that I never fell victim. I would say, I'm not going to say victim, but I never fell into the, into a trap where I was only focusing on velocity. I was mainly focusing on my ability to execute and dominate hitters, which was commanding locations and, and right. doing that with multiple pitches. Um, I guess you could call that countercultural because everybody says this day and age, it's, it, it's, Times have changed. It's all about velocity. The times have never, in my opinion, the times have never changed. No matter when you've grown up in the game, you needed to throw hard. It's always been about throwing hard. It's always been that way. It's never been different. So, yes, the speeds are higher nowadays, but it doesn't change the fact that mindsets growing up are the culture says you need to throw hard, and if you don't throw hard, you're not going to advance in this game. Unfortunately, most people are going to have to appease to that if they want to advance, and that really takes away from their ability to learn about how to pitch. And it's it's unfortunate for me because I was able to witness what the highest game of the, the highest level of the game focused on. That's what I wanted to focus on, and right. that's what I felt like truly made me different than other pitchers. The fact that I was focusing on ways to get hitters out consistently, dominate them at, at the levels I was at, the levels I could play at, um, at a high level. So, in a way, countercultural, but uh, kind of a long way to get to where I was, but. You know, I, I, I've done some other things along the way in terms of uh, I did take a Division One coaching job. I coached at Mount St. Mary's at Allen Water. It's got to implement some of my systems, but it's the uh, it's been an interesting it's been an interesting road to where I am, and it's really cool to see my message resonate on social media with so many. Uh, it's, it's been a cool thing. Well, it, it does resonate. And, and it's funny because I think we had, you know, we had a brief conversation yesterday about this. And um, I, I think um, not too dissimilar from other things in our society. I don't think anything happens in a vacuum. And I think, and I don't think this is an exception. Um, I think you're saying, well, you had the guts to come out and say publicly, because now publicly is social media. It's just the reality of the <laughs> world we live in, um, and that's fine. I mean, that's the, you know, there are like like every other advancement, there are advantages and disadvantages. But social media, if used correctly, can be a very effective tool for communicating what it is you know you have to say. And um, what you did is you said a lot of what many of us have been saying in private. Uh, in in private conversations, you know, for, forever, uh, and and this is not a conversation that's new to me. I mean, I'm still, you know, I've had I've had a lot of guys uh, come off the mound and say to me, "What's my velocity?" and and my my response to them has always been, "How hard would you be throwing if you didn't know how hard you were throwing?" And what does knowing how hard you're throwing matter? So if guys are, you know, if guys are late 
and you're throwing 91, you're going to want to throw harder just because you want to throw harder. If guys are missing, I'm not sh- I think you've already accomplished what you need to accomplish, but but as you know, uh there is no shortage of guys out there who are I call them, you know, pitching, you know, they're baseball jihadis and they believe that you're an infidel if you don't buy into their religion. It is no longer philosophical. It is no mm-hmm. longer uh something it's no longer a free market for the exchange of ideas anymore. It's 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 baseball fascism at its best. You either believe what we believe or we bully you out. You know, you're you're persona non grata if you don't buy into hook, line, and sinker, all the dogma. And and for you to come out and publicly say, wait a second, hold on, and throw cold water on, I want to know what degree of response have you gotten from the other camp? It's been, uh, when I first started Location Nation, it was... Uh it was pretty gruesome. You know, I got a lot of, I got a lot of recall, a lot of, what's the, what's the word? I got a lot of uh, negative feedback. I got a lot of. Yeah, it's called hate. It's called hate. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it is. Uh, it wasn't something, again, this wasn't something I didn't expect. I knew this would happen. It happened my whole life. You know, my whole life, it's been Dustin needs to throw harder. Dustin's not very good. Dustin this, Dustin that. You got to be, you got to do this. And, and I didn't accept that answer. I didn't accept that that thought process. So when people come out and say, yeah, I've already, I've already been through my whole career, you know? So when people come out and say certain things, that's kind of like, it's very hard for me to, to have a conversation with people that are ignorant of a process or a career one and two ignorant of the effects of how important location can be. If a person comes out and says, okay, you don't throw 91, you're not very good. And they don't understand the fact that an 85 mile an hour fastball can act as 91. The conversation's over. It, 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 the ignorance of, 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 of understanding command and location is what really makes these conversations tough. A lot of conversations dry up because they're not sure what, where to go. So I feel like it's the fact I'm not just some guy who's saying command, just command. There's a reason and there's methods and there's, there's a way to absolutely embarrass hitters at a speed you can throw at the level you play if you're able to do these things. And I think people either A, just don't want to learn about it. It's very easy to objectively measure pitchers with speed. And that's what makes things easier. Uh, again, for me, I, didn't, I just did not accept that as the only way to be good at pitching. So, again, when we get into these conversations, when people walk down that road, they want to get into a conversation about what I'm talking about. It's not going to be an argument. I, I always try to keep things as diplomatic as I can discuss things as well as I can. I'm, I'm not very, I'm not blocked by too many people. Maybe a few have muted me, but uh, <laughs> I want to change the culture of the game by having discussions about the importance of what command is. It's I'm not telling a 95 guy not to throw 95. I'm telling right. him to command. Right. I'm not telling a 70 mile an hour guy not to throw 70. I'm telling him to command when he has, mm-hmm. it's not, it's not a one or the other. It's, you need to have one to, com- to compete in the game. And I think that's where a lot of people just get confused because the game says they need to throw 100 miles an hour. And that's where and lies the biggest problem that I continue to face is the culture of the game greatly affects how, how an amateur pitcher goes about their practice and goes about how they, they, their mind works on movements and skills and, and skill acquisition. It's, it, it's a detriment. And, and I personally feel it doesn't, it's not being worked on in minor league development systems. 
either. Well, I'll give, you, I, I'll give you a good example of something that, that buys right into exactly what you're saying, and then you can comment on this. I recently had an outstanding sure. standing pitcher on my podcast, a friend of mine. He's terrific. You know, he's playing pro ball now, and he's, he's ascending, you know, slowly but surely. Um, and I asked him, and he's had a couple of good seasons, and I asked him, you know, what's in store for you in, in the future? You know, what, what are your goals, short-term goals? And he said, I want to hit triple digits. And I, and I thought to myself... Geez, uh, I, I mean, are you getting guys out? Yes. Are you moving up? Yes. It just seemed vapid to me. And I mean that. It seemed empty as, uh, you know, okay, you're going to... what? And, and what is the price you're paying for hitting triple digits? You know, you throw 94 to 96 now. Um, I, I don't... I, I The last time I heard is not... It's not like... Um, it's not like riding a ride at, at the amusement park. You have to be a certain height to get on the ride. Um, if you're ascending, I don't know how that goal in and of itself, in and of itself, uh, is going to guarantee you anything other than probably... And I and I I mean this. I'm not a physiologist, but I think a lot of guys are trying to throw above and outside of a capacity that they have, and everyone has a capacity. I think the fool's goal that's been sold to guys is that everyone could throw a hundred if you just take my pill, or if you just you know buy my program, or you fly out to the West Coast and fire balls like a lunatic into a a, a tarp. Uh, that that is you know everyone can do this when everyone can't we all have capacities we all have limitations and one of the things I love about your philosophy is you're willing to work with what a guy has I'd love for everybody to throw 97 miles an hour I would of course it's an advantage but only if you know where the ball is going at 97 and if you don't know where it's going at 97 you better back off to 92 and make sure that at 92 you can control where that ball is going otherwise you're not going to be effective and you're not going to last very long speak to that yeah i mean again it kind of goes back to the whole idea of effective velocity like if you let's say and that's why i feel like 94 miles an hour is a really good baseline if you throw 94 miles an hour you can effectively throw 100 miles an hour right I agree. And if a pitcher doesn't understand that, or somebody's not willing to learn about effective velocity or, or go read Perry Husband's work, and these are all the provings of, of, of a lot of the theories I had or methods I had growing up, I didn't even know what effective velocity was. I just knew that the timing changed from an inside pitch to an outside pitch. Correct. You can and you can go through innings at a time throwing fastballs and changing timing. Yep. You know, so ninety four is a good baseline. You don't need to objectively throw a hundred. Sure, Chapman does. He throws strikes, and that's great. And he's dominant. That's fantastic. But if you can, if he can command, great. If he can just control that, that's gonna be that's gonna be great. There's no reason why a person throwing 94 can't be as effective as a Chapman if he can command what he has. So, in terms of effort, so you're saying back it down a little bit. That's a huge proponent for what I do. So, or what I try to push forward in this world of crazed effort. I'm gonna say. I wouldn't right. say velocity is. The I would problem. say I would say maniacal. It seems like they're yeah. they've lost their mind. Maniacal is a good word. Yeah, I think the problem is effort. Velocity is a velocity is the name for what people things are. It's a, it's the idea, but the the what the biggest problem is where people struggle to get is that in a, in the game of baseball, in a performance setting, in order to compete in the game, you need to abide by the rules of the game. <laughs> Which, which include a strike zone, a rectangular strike zone box. And you need to work in the confines of that in order to compete, whether that means you're giving up 10 home runs, getting taken out, right. or getting through the inning. 
walks do not further the game. It makes the game longer. You know, if you can't compete in the confines of the rule book, then then we are we're struggling. So Correct. my issues are with efforts, and it goes with any again. After you might have seen this video, and any skill you learn in life, you want to learn the idea of why you're moving. And I think that's a lot of problems. So many people are working on the biomechanics and they're trying to do this and do that and move a certain way. And that's great that you look sexy, but if you don't understand the reason that your movement is to execute a pitch, that's the focus. That's the main deliberate task of why you're moving as a pitcher. You're going to struggle to command. So reworking and reshaping that mindset is something I am passionate about. It's an aha moment for many. And, uh, you know, I think some people just need to realize they're going to throw a certain speed. If they get off their couch right now and go out and throw a bullpen, they're going to throw a certain speed. Maybe it's 80. They don't have to throw as hard as they can. Your body's going to throw a speed. But if your effort is taking you past the ability to, to work on a task of executing, hitting a glove or target, that feedback, then maybe using constraints, because I use a really strong constraints-led approach with how to feel the locations, how to work on locating, commanding your pitches, they're going to struggle. So I just think, yeah, it, they don't have to stay there forever. It's not, it's not a, you don't have to throw slow forever. It's, it's more of an understanding of why you're moving, how you're moving. You're listening to The Conversation with Tommy Weber. We'll be right back. This episode of The Conversation with Tommy Weber is brought to you by 4momalz.com. Join the fight against Alzheimer's and support our good friends, Hunter and Braden Bishop, as they bring awareness to a struggle that many families face through their charity, 4mom. Make sure to follow them on Twitter at hashtag 4mom. And for all your mortgage needs, call Northern Security Capital Corp., the New York area's most dedicated mortgage broker. If you're buying or refinancing a home, there's only one place to go. Call Northern Security Capital Corp. today at 718-273-1010. And now, back to the show. This all resonates so much. I want want to go at this uh, from a little different angle, and and I, I... I equate this to when we work with hitters and I've got a hitter in a cage and he's, you know, swinging obviously because it's the same hitting and pitching now become the same thing. Try yep. to hit it as far as you possibly can. And, and that's all that's, that's wonderful. It's great for an arcade. It's great. Uh, but also I, I believe, I believe there's, there's, there's a method to that madness and here's what it is. I study music and um, when somebody tries to play a piece really fast it's it's going to mask all of the blemishes. People are going to hear the speed and think it's impressive, but someone who knows music hears all the notes you're moving, you're missing. Yeah. When you slow it down, that piece becomes very difficult to play and execute because now every movement, every sound is heard and magnified. And the way you want to learn a piece of music, just like you learn the alphabet and arithmetic and everything else you've learned in your life, is slowly broken down to its most basic components and then build up the speed and the tempo. What we're doing is actually counterintuitive and counterdevelopment. We're trying to throw as fast as we can, as early as we can, and then somehow we'll worry about where it's going at a later date. 
And I don't know how, I, I don't know how we've gotten here. Well, I do because these guys are all bullies, uh, and they're Nazis. Um, they, we've been bullied into thinking that this is the only way to do it now. And, and I, I have to say this too. Another fallacy is that somehow, and baseball does this very effectively because it's so important to so many people, baseball <laughs> sort of invented this mentality. Golf has been doing this for 75 years. The, ben Hogan, studied the golf swing 75 years ago, 80 years ago. <laughs> golf is so far ahead of baseball when it comes to any of this mechanical stuff that they should just take all the golf uh, research, replace it with baseball lingo, and you'd have the same exact thing. You wouldn't have to do all this work. So the, the, the inference that this is anything new is another way that they hook people. Man, this is brand new. It's like it's like when I take my we we in the Cape we go to Fenway Park every year for a workout and my hitters see the Ted Williams chair because you know my players think that power was invented 3 years ago. Guys started hitting the ball far like 3 or 4 years right. ago. And I say you see that chair out there that's Ted Williams. He played in the 30s. Nobody's hit that chair since. He played in the 30s. They can't, it doesn't compute for them <laughs> because they've been so indoctrinated into a mindset that says everything that we're doing is unique, the best, and we're the only ones that have ever done this. And that's a very dangerous mentality because what it does is it makes you lose your humility. And without humility, it's hard to develop. I agree. It's toxic. It, it's, that's the, my word. The, I love that mind, word. It's very toxic. The mindset that the whole socio aspect of this that produces for an aspiring pitcher is toxic in terms of command because it never ends. It never ends at any point until you make it to the big leagues. At that point, locate, they don't, they will not say a word to you about your, your velocity. It's always going to come down to execution and it's always going to come down to execution for a team or an entity that's trying to win the game. So, and that's why I have that's another beef I have with minor league baseball is that these are not games that are trying to be won. It's a developmental system, but that is a problem for a pitcher's mindset. So I think, again, the throw hard mentality okay, you have to throw hard to get drafted. Okay, so they get drafted. They're going to teach them how to command now. But God forbid that 93 mile an hour pitcher starts throwing 88, that person's going to get released. They have to continue to throw that speed or they have to continue to throw harder. When that mindset stays in place, how are we going to learn to do this skill? Correct. You're not going to teach the skill to someone doing something as hard as they can Correct. or with the max effort. Correct. It's not going to happen. So the patience of the culture is never there. It, it, it actually is. I would, I would consider it lottery tickets for pitchers that do make it. They either found way on their own they did their, I'm, and I would say pretty much every pitcher probably found their own way. Maybe some developmental aspects to here and there. But in terms of like functionally fixing and, and addressing skill for people with that mindset of, of max effort, staying at that effort, it's very difficult. I don't know how, I don't know how they can get out of it. It's a trap. Well, you know, I, I, you, you use a lot of the adjectives that I use, toxic, trap, enslaved. I mean, I, I, I would say this, and in, in listening to you, I just thought about this. You know, pitchers, I, I think pitchers are lost. I think pitchers are less focused 
and have less direction than they ever did because at, when it's all said and done, a lot of pitchers at very high levels, I'm not talking about high school kids here, I'm talking about elite college players and early sure. professional baseball players, the only, it's, it's like the hitters. I have hitters who think the only positive outcome is 373 feet, one bounce off the left center field wall at a certain trajectory. trajectory. Otherwise, it's a failure. And I try to impress upon my hitters, guys, a 22 hopper that goes through between the shortstop and the second base and, and, and the third baseman is a hit. Hits are hard to come by. Any <laughs> way you can get a hit, we'll take. Every hit is great. Yet, they're not embracing that anymore because they're told, like pitchers, if you don't hit it far, it's not valid. And like pitchers, if you don't throw it really hard, and if you do throw it hard and you throw it off the backstop, that's okay. <laughs> they are. Because that's going to help you get advanced, right? Right, right. And I, and I think you touched on something as well. When you start to diminish the value of winning... That is a very dangerous road to go down because it becomes, I say, now it's about um, performance, not about winning. We have now developed a literally a generation of auditioners. It's a constant audition. It's not a game. Travel ball and travel ball, nobody cares if they win. First of all, I don't, never understood the, pro, the uh, premise of Travel Bowl, where if I live across the street from you, I have to go to Atlanta to play you in a game. I never, I'll never get, in, get my arms around that. But the reality is, that's all about baseball has been commoditized. It's a commodity. I take my 93 and I sell it. So I, I trade it for a position on the high school team, a position in college getting a scholarship. People should realize there aren't any scholarships available in reality anyway in college baseball, 11.7 with 35 guys True. on the team. Do that math. Um, or, you know, it's a commodity. I'm going to trade for a professional contract. But, you know, to coin a phrase, there's no there there. It's not substantive. It's not enduring. It's not what's going to carry you to a major league career. And I think it's like a sugar rush. It feels yeah. good in the instant. And then you're, you're, you crash again and you feel, okay, now what's next? I got through a 90, I guess, I guess now I got through a 98 and then I got through 114. Right. It never ends. It, it, again, I actually did a blog on this a while back, you know, players trap themselves. You know, let's say you don't, I had, it was like a more intricate way I put it, but let's say you throw 90 to get your division one scholarship, but then you suck in college. Okay. Now you have to throw 98 to get drafted. Unless you were really good at 90, then you can get drafted at 90. You know what I'm saying? Right. So like you, you can be really good at what you have and be drafted at a lower speed. If you suck at what you have, 90 is not bad. If you can command three pitches at 90, then you're going to get drafted. But if you suck at 90 and you graduate, and you have really bad numbers, and you're not very good, you now need to throw 96 if you want to get trapped. And here's a question and for all the velocity the Nazis. Here's a, a, a good question for them. How do you know how hard a guy would throw as he developed, grew, and aged without doing any of this craziness? He'd have to... Let's face it, as you get bigger, as your machine gets bigger, and as you grow, you're going to throw a little harder to some degree. How do you know that all of this effort to try to throw 98 is a waste of time because you're going to throw 96 anyway. I, I watch it. I give lessons for a living. I watch it happen. We do the same. We do mechanics. You know, we work on things. We get guys in good movement. We get them in good patterns. And I can't, I can't attribute a pattern alone for a six-mile-an-hour jump. 
it's it's you're growing. Right, right. <laughs> you're getting strong. You're, you're just growing. Right, you're putting you know, on you're, your man you're weight and all that other stuff. Right, I, you know, and, yeah. and and we we discussed this yesterday. I think this is a salient point too. It's the this proliferation of the development of the body as a replacement for the development of a skill. And I I wrote a blog years ago and I said there are no fungos in the weight room for a reason. You don't get better at baseball by being bigger and stronger. You get better at baseball like you do it, get better at the guitar by playing more. The worst kept secret in the world is that all the players come from warm weather places. Why? They play more. They're not in the gym more. So you'd be better off working on your craft. And when you get to a certain level with your craft, then if you want to increase your strength marginally, then you can. But I have a lot of guys who come back, you know, guys struggle with hitting. And the first thing they do is go in the weight room. Well, how do you think that's going to make you a better hitter by going in the weight room? And it's the same thing with pitching. I agree. It's uh, I, I personally feel if you want to be the best at what you're doing, you need to do that action. Right. The weight room is more of a complementative maintenance type thing. Yes. Obviously, if you are a good athlete, if you're good at your performance, if you're good at your action, you're good at your skill, that's fantastic. That's outstanding. Then the weight room becomes something that could potentially complement what you're doing. Similar to velocity to, with command. You know, if you can command what you have, velocity is going to complement your ability to have that skill. And, and that, just, that just seems to be, well, not crazy, because I definitely think it resonates with people. But I think, yeah, you're right. It's the culture. It's the, you got to get in the weight room. we got all these strength and conditioning coaches. And there are some really, really good strength there and conditioning are, coaches. There are. They're great. Absolutely acknowledge the fact that a 400 pound squat doesn't make you locate it on the corner. <laughs> I gotta tell you, that's the two separate actions, two separate, two completely separate mindsets. Right, right. I so, mean, you know, how many more? How many more skinny? That understand that, but there are others who are crazy. How many more skinny kids from the Dominican Republic who come up and turn the baseball world on their ear do we need to see to convince us that perhaps it's really about developing the skill first and the body second? Because when you're 19, it takes you basically an off season to develop your body, but it takes you a lifetime to develop the skills. And what we're creating now is guys who play what I call by accident. They pitch by accident. They hit by accident. You know, they've got all this information, but they really haven't perfected the skill such that they're hoping they throw a strike. They're hoping they locate. They're hoping they make contact at the plate. Dustin, before we carry, I want to make sure everybody knows where to get you. Also, fabulous book, Location Nation's Guide to Commanding uh, Location. (laughs) That's that's if you can say that three times fast, you're good. <laughs> location Nation's Guide to Commanding Location. You can get it on your website, which is locationnation.com. And that's location spelled L-O-K-A-T-I-O-N, nation, N-A-T-I-O-N.com, locationnation.com. It's a fabulous, it's a fab, it is just what it says it is. It is a guide. I, I strongly urge anybody that listens, you got a kid, you got a team, uh, make it part of your resources because this is really, this is is cutting edge stuff, even though this is as old as the game itself. Unfortunately, it's sort of now become cutting edge because there is so little of it being taught and being emphasized. Dustin, I agree. I mean, yeah, I, uh, I, I, I kind of tell us about the book. Tell us about the book. Talk a little bit about it. Sure. So, you know, the book just kind of came as part of like the whole idea and the whole mission of changing the culture of the game, you know, my process of how I went through it 
but more, you know, it's not just me. You know, I've done ample research on brain function, motor pattern, um, skill acquisition, um, how our brain processes movement and tasks. So a lot of the science that I have in my, in the book is, is revolves around the myelination process, which is a process in which we can create stronger circuits for a task oriented movement. So, you know, in terms of directing a ball to a location, we want to build strong circuitry in executing that task consistently moving around the zone. So essentially, essentially, when I, I kind of coined it as like a velo stacking stage, you know, myelination builds stronger circuits and movements. So if we're moving the same way every time, the way that our mind interprets that is we can consistently do it. We're going to move stronger through those motions. We're going to execute that motion the way that we want in our mind, but we're going to move stronger because our brain insulates those circuits and helps us move quicker. So again, kind of goes back to skill acquisition. The brain is a very powerful thing in improving the twitchiness or the speed at which we move. But the main goal of acquiring command is the idea of tasking the reason for movement, which is to execute the target. So a lot of that is elaborated on in the book. Um, a lot of it helps uh, shape the paradigm of a pitcher in terms of command, getting away from that cultural below, 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 got to throw hard gas. You know, not that it's unimportant, but it just helps reshape the paradigm of a pitcher. And uh, it helped maybe, maybe, hopefully can help them question how they're going through their process and if they want to change it. That's awesome. So, so without giving anything away, you know, too much away, because I want you to, yeah. I want you to get paid for everything and I want you to promote your book and your stuff. And I think people again should, should follow you and, and interact with you and uh, listen to what you have to say. Uh, your average, if you, if you had, you know, you had 20 minutes with a 14 year old kid who was, you know, of average size and average ability as 99 and nine tenths percent of the kids are hit <laughs> newsflash. Uh, most <laughs> kids are ordinary. Thank God. Um, what do you, if you had like one or two things that you would say to a kid to do, um, you know, throughout a winter, let's say, uh, that might help him become a better thrower, pitcher, uh, command guy. Thrower or pitcher? I uh, think I, 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 we, we want pitcher. I, 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 I'll, I don't, you know what? No, I want pitcher, pitcher. <laughs> okay. And touche. Very okay. good. Got to keep me on my toes. Yeah. I like that. Pitcher, uh, uh, just, yeah, basically anybody I work with in general. Yeah, I'm always, this might sound super cliche, but ironically, week to week, I work with guys and I'll ask them the same thing every time I see them because this is truly what helps them, what's, which helps shape how they interpret the world of pitching or how they interpret what they see as successful pitching. I'll simply tell them pitching is all about location. Pitching is all about location. And week to week, I'll ask them, what is pitching about? And they'll either have to think about it, which is strange because it's just constantly, I'm constantly reaffirming the week to week. But the more they start saying it, the more they're going to understand that they need to be directing their attention to that goal. Right. And which most pitchers do not do or kids in general, they just, they, they think effort, they think hard. Right, so right. reshaping that simple sentence, pitching is about location, pitching is all about location, that's going to help them execute the task better in terms of command. Um, in terms of doing like a drill, I get this a lot. But again, the attentional focus to hitting and executing the target is really important. So I would say the, mo the absolute best way would be to throw to a catcher, not to a, even a little target net, not to a net, a just flat, a blank net, right. throwing to a catcher that is down. It could be flat ground. It could be 60 feet. 
and maneuvering that catcher around the zone. And this helps you kind of find and feel how and where you're letting go. And again, it gets a little bit more advanced in this station, but in the way that I kind of help guys with acquiring the skill, I add quite a few constraints uh, through the course of throws that can help them find how they're letting go, where they're letting go, and if the consistency and where they're throwing the ball. And uh, I, again, I, much of what I do is very constraint-led in terms of command. So and a lot of it is definitely at 60 feet, 6 inches, because this is where we're going to be performing at. So lots of throwing from 60 feet, 6, and the mindset that pitching is all about location. You're going to move how you move. You're going to throw the speed you throw. Right. So have the mindset. Excellent. Excellent. Great stuff. Again, Dustin Pease, Location Nation. Check him out. Uh, before we let you go, and you're great, man. I, I knew this was, after speaking to you for five minutes yesterday, I knew you'd be great, and you are. Uh, you, you're going to be, you have an open invitation anytime you want. I would love to have you on again. You know, just jot some thoughts down. Anytime, you know, you, you have an idea, please just, you know, text me or whatever. Call me and say, hey, I want to do a podcast or wh- whatever. Sure. I mean, you have, you have an open invite. You're, you really are somebody I think that people need to hear from. And, and, and I'm going to say this, and I, uh, you know, I, I say with all due respect, it doesn't mean that I have become a Dustin Pease apostle. But even if even if um, you are not in lockstep with everything that Dustin says, it's the fact that Dustin is saying something and promoting something that is so 100% diametrically opposed to so much of what's out there today that that in and of itself lends credibility to what he's saying. And it makes him somebody that you should want to hear from because that is how you learn. Otherwise, you're indoctrinated. I teach at St. John's and I really believe that education needs to be revamped and it needs to become more a what it, what it used to be, which was a the free market for the exchange of all ideas, all, not just one idea. And whenever something is only one idea, nothing good comes from that. I'm sorry. Uh, so uh, before I let you go, I want to play a game that everybody's played that's been a guest. We call it Quick Pitch, which I'm sure you did at Mount St. Mary's because you guys always cheated anyway against us. That's why you beat us. Uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, do you remember a fight at Mount St. Mary's? Uh, what were, kind of fight? Were you there at the fight that really cold day? It was like the first weekend. Was it like a, wait, like a brawl? It was like a brawl. We wound up in your dugout. It was like a uh, There was a brawl when I was a freshman at St. Francis. At Mount St. It was against Long Island, though, wasn't it? Oh, okay. All right, good. So, so good. All right. <laughs> that was me, anyway. No, but <laughs> naturally, naturally, upstate <laughs> team. Uh, anyway, um, so we, we call it quick pitch, and I'm going to say a few things to you. Give me what, whatever comes to your mind. Feel free to say it's usually a lot of fun. Are right, you ready? Sure. You ready? Okay. You got your rosin bag. You do you do J bands? You you're all loose. <laughs> um, I love that. 19-year-old kid, it's 95 degrees. takes him 45 minutes to be able to toss a ball. No, I'm sorry, but, but I digress. <laughs> I digress. And everybody hurts their arm. I'm not, okay. Um, okay, you ready? Favorite food? Yes, I'm ready. Favorite food? Favorite food? Uh, pizza. Good man. Good man. Uh, favorite sound? Ooh, this might not make a lot of sense, but the crack of the bat. I get that a lot. I get that a lot. You're not alone. You're not alone. Um, what is your, if you had one movie to watch right now, what would it be? Ooh. Um, you know what? I'm a, I would watch Mighty Ducks too. There you go. All right. What's the last show you binge watched? 
uh, Walking Dead. That's a bit. I get that a lot. I get Walking Dead a lot. Game of Thrones. I was sucked in hook, line, and sinker. Game of Thrones. I get a lot. Um, So if you had three dinner guests no longer alive, not related to you, who would they be? No longer alive? No longer alive. They have to be dead. Okay. Um, let's go with, um, that's a tough one. Yeah, that's why I ask you. Yeah. Um, I'm thinking, you said, you said relatives too? Or no, no relatives. No relatives. It could be anybody. It could be anybody. Sports, politics, you know, great thinkers. Wow. Um, never been asked that question before. Well, Babe Ruth would be pretty cool to talk to. He's a popular one. Yeah. Uh, he also played at Cardinal Gibbons High School, which is in my high school league. Wow. Uh, growing up, so that was kind of a cool thing in Babe Ruth Field. Um, he'd be a pretty cool person to talk to. Yep. Uh, I don't know. I always thought... <laughs> When I was growing up and you were learning about the presidents and you learned about George Washington, I was like, it'd be really cool to talk to him. Certainly would be. Um, and then... Man, you put me on the spot. I'm not sure. <laughs> All right, two is good. Two has got to let you off the hook. I'm still waiting for somebody to say something like like crazy. I, I, you never know what somebody's going to say. But, but lastly, lastly, this is a great question. And I love people's responses. What gets you out of bed in the morning? My <laughs> my children. Yeah, I know that. Well, I figured that. But what motivates you? What motivates you to take on the day? Uh, you know what? <laughs> Baseball. You know that my my passion. This is why I do what I do in location eight. My passion is to help pitchers. You know, my passion is to help people see the light. And, and, you know, I was fortunate enough to, to create that light with my career. And while some may not particularly agree or think that it, it was that important, I feel like it was a shining light in the midst of everything we just talked about with culture. So I wake up every day hoping to maybe ha- inspire or help people question what they're doing and, and, and help them realize they can be more successful or re reevaluate how other people define success. That's, that's what gets me up out of bed every day. Well, you know what? I think that's uh, part of how I would define education uh, and that's what you're doing. You're educating uh, a generation of pitchers and you're doing a fabulous job doing it again. Location nation, L O K A T I O N nation, N A T I O N.com. Dustin P. Dustin, I want to thank you. I can't thank you enough for um for joining me you are going to join me again uh we will hang out on twitter <laughs> which is the new <laughs> the new weird thing that everybody does um yeah I, I really want to thank you i think people who listen to this today are better off for having heard you and what you're all about so um my friend be well thank you and uh we will talk soon thank you for having me on look forward to doing it again soon and uh that was a great time thanks man be well so that's going to do it. We're going to wrap it up. Uh, and we are going to wrap it up with the beautiful Freddie Mercury and Queen. Thanks, everyone. We'll see you real soon.
Thanks for listening to The Conversation with Tommy Weber. Have any thoughts on today's episode? Ideas for a new one? Join the conversation on Twitter at TommyWeberBball or Instagram at TommyWeberBaseball and share your thoughts. Tommy's back next week with a new episode of The Conversation. Subscribe and listen for free at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Google Play, CastBox, TuneIn Radio, Radio Public, and Stitcher. And of course, always at TommyWeberBaseball.com. Come. Um.